Welcome back to the program. 25 past the hour of 1 o'clock. We're rocking and rolling with you until 2. Greg Laundert here. You there and happy to be with you on this Tuesday. Right here on ESPN 105.1 The Zone. Chattanooga Sports Leader. We've talked a lot of NBA today, and obviously the NBA is uh, is a hot topic, especially with Lloyd Pierce getting the boots out there in Atlanta. I know a lot of you care about the Atlanta Hawks, so we talked a lot about uh, about that. I give you my thoughts. Also, Zion Williamson has been playing mighty, mighty good over the last couple of uh, weeks, and it's nice to see him finally healthy, good to go. Just, I mean, really... Just letting him go out there and letting him play. It's been fun to watch and and as I mentioned, he's been very good over the last couple of uh couple of weeks and, and getting an opportunity and I'm really happy to talk a little bit about Zion Williamson on the airwaves and we're going to do that now with my good friend Elliot Clough of Boot Crew Media. He is covering the Pelicans and of course their NBA expert right here on the Word with G. Welcome into the new spot, Elliot. What's up, man? Gee, so good to hear from you, man. I'm uh, happy to hear you're doing well and, and excited to talk some pals with you here on uh, ESPN 105.1. So, first and foremost, what do you think about Point Zion? Because uh, I'm, I'm reading some stats here from StatMuse, and Point Zion, they say, is the real deal. December and January, 1.5 dribbles per touch equals 24 points, 2.3 assists. He's shooting the ball at a, a 59% clip. Since February, 2.9 dribbles per touch, 27 points, 5 assists a game, and shooting 64%. And there was no better example of that last night where he was scoring the basketball very quick, very bouncy, and getting his teammates involved as well. Zion's looked awesome, G. I mean, the Pelts have really started to put the ball in his hands, especially as, as the main ball handler and the pick and roll and it's just given him so many more opportunities to do different things and when Zion has the ball in his hands I mean if you're watching the Pelicans which I'm sure not many people in Chattanooga are watching him as closely as people in New Orleans and, and the state of Louisiana when Zion has the ball in his hands the Pelicans offense they just move so much better They're, they have so much more flow to the offense than say when Eric Bledsoe or Brandon Ingram initiate the offense and and you've seen it start to gradually improve throughout the season. I mean, I don't know if, if your listeners or if you're familiar with what I'm talking about, G, but Kevin O'Connor of The Ringer has started this series called The Void on YouTube, and, and he went on a Point Zion rant fairly recently talking about how he his, his usage rate has increased as the primary ball handler in the pick and roll from about one time per game to start early in the season to now averaging about 15 times per game. And what we've seen is the Pelicans' offensive efficiency just explode. They're scoring lights out. I mean, the amount of gravity that this dude has on the basketball court is insane. We talked about spacing. It was being a really big issue with the Pelicans early on in the season. And now that the ball is in Zion's hands, the defense just has to collapse because it's bully ball when he gets the ball, right? They have to collapse. That brings open shooters to the three-point line, and, and it's just making the Pelicans so much more efficient. Defensive end is a little bit of a concern. Obviously, they do allow a lot of points, but the offense is just top tier right now. Yeah, it's it's moving well through Zion. And it's just fun to watch him, and I'm glad, you know, because they're usually on with Zion. He's such a polarizing figure in the world of sports and the NBA as well that they're they're generally on 
whether it be NBA TV, TNT, they're on the national television stage quite a bit. And so you get a chance to watch Zion Williamson a lot. And you're right, you know, they hadn't really been able to find a way to to best utilize him. He was getting his points, but it wasn't all that efficient. The Pelicans weren't winning. And, you know, last season we know they were kind of holding him back, but it's nice to see them just kind of take the reins off Zion and just let him be. And I think one of the best things that I saw last night from this team, Elliot, was that they weren't forcing threes. On the other side, you had the Utah Jazz shooting 43 three-pointers. The Pelicans only shot 11 threes. Zion didn't take one. Brandon Ingram didn't even take one. They're getting to the rim. They're getting to the foul line. And they're just more efficient players when they're not just taking contested threes and, and just kind of stymieing possessions by just taking stagnated threes. Right. And last night, those 11 three-point attempts were the fewest an NBA team has, has launched and ultimately won in the last four years. Wow. And I hit you with a stat from ESPN, and I got this tweet from Andrew Lopez that, that blew up a little bit last night. He said, according to ESPN Stats Info, Pelicans are the first team to score more than 70 points in the paint against the Jazz in the last 25 years. Pels finished with 74 points in the paint last night. And it, believe it or not, it wasn't all Zion, too. I mean, Zion, Brandon Ingram, and Lonzo Ball combined for 75 points in that win last night, obviously Lonzo Ball hitting some threes. But, I mean, this team is, is kind of zigging while the rest of the league is zagging. And, I mean, if it's working, if you beat the team, best team in the league with Rudy Gobert as their rim protector, their key rim protector, that's, per- that's pretty damn impressive, G. I mean, Gobert being, I think he's two-time uh, defensive player mm-hmm. of the year in the league, and, and Zion just went at him possession after possession. I think, you know, I don't know if this, you know, Zion's not, have, excuse me, has not been getting a lot of calls this season like he should be. I'm sure you saw those pictures that were circling around Twitter of LaMarcus Aldridge and the Spurs just absolutely trying to body him as best they can. And, and I think Zion's starting to get a little irritated. You know, he's not one to say anything to the refs about, about uh, foul calls or anything like that, but he will show you what he means with his play and, there were a couple plays last night where Rudy Gobert was asking for the offensive foul, and it was just a joke. I mean, <laughs> Zion's 6'6", what, 260, 270, something like that. He's a big boy, and bodying a guy like Rudy Gobert is not something that a lot of players in this league can do. And Zion Williamson did it. He did it possession after possession last night. And, and along with Steven Adams, along with, other guys that like to attack the basket like Brandon Ingram and, and now Lonzo Ball doing so, this offense is just lethal, man. And it's lethal in a way that a lot of teams aren't used to. And, and what it does is even though they only launched 11 three-pointers last night, this type of offense opens up so much more for the Pelicans who, who tend to struggle from three-point land. I mean, you get J.J. Redick. I mean, he made two and one three-point shots yeah. last night. This type of offense and, and the actions that – J.J. And, and Zion run together of, of J.J. setting a pick or, or Zion setting a pick, you're going to get open threes, even if you are this dominant in the paint. Elliot Clough, again, our guest from Boot Crew Media, Pelicans Plus Podcast, and uh, the NBA expert uh, over there with Boot Crew Media. And uh, great to have him here with me, friend of the program uh, over there in Louisiana, and glad to have him back here on ESPN 105.1 in Chattanooga. I know there's been some rumblings about maybe some guys, whether it be the aforementioned J.J. Redick or Eric Bledsoe, potentially on the move. Do you think they're going to try to give this more time to work, or 
does it just seem like Eric Bledsoe just doesn't fit? I like Steven Adams a lot, but what do you think of the fit of Eric Bledsoe, and do you think they'd be better off trying to move him before the trade deadline? Right, and if you follow me on Twitter, which, gee, you do, you know I am not a fan of Eric Bledsoe. Um, and if you've been listening to the podcast, you know I'm not a fan of Eric Bledsoe, especially just with this team. I mean, he had his moments in Milwaukee. He was kind of the guy in, in Phoenix, but he, it just hasn't translated to New Orleans. You know, trading Drew Holiday for him and George Hill, it was kind of expected, plus all those picks, obviously. It was kind of expected that Bled would step into that role not be Drew Holiday because there's nobody in the league that is the one-on-one defender that Drew Holiday is. There's just not. And Eric Bledsoe has not done that. I, I've kind of repeated this this quote over and over again, but I'm pretty sure it's, it's, it's appropriate still. Is you know, I'm not sure if you remember this, G, when, when uh, Bled was in Phoenix and he tweeted out the I don't want to be here tweet that absolutely went viral. I'm seeing Eric Bledsoe in his full I-don't-want-to-be-here mode as of late. And he's had some decent games, but then he turns around and goes one of nine from the field. And last night he had, I think, three air balls in one game, and this dude gets paid to play basketball. And that last possession, he, he had a really good last possession defensively on, I think it was Jordan Clarkson, to defend the three-point line. But it's just not a fit. It's just not. And, and by trading him away, the Pels can open up time for Nikhil Alexander-Walker, for Kyra Lewis to continue to develop. But the issue is his contract. He's got, I think, three years left with one, but his last year is not guaranteed. So if the Pels do trade Eric Bledsoe, I'm going to guess that it'll be this coming offseason rather than this season prior to the deadline, because with the way his contract is constructed, it's probably just not going to work this season. They'll get very minimal value as opposed to what they would get this offseason if a team is desperate for a point guard and they think they can compete. Let me now ask for JJ Redick. Oh, go ahead. Oh, Sorry. Go ahead. No, no, I was just I thought you were done. Go ahead. Just continue on with with our guy JJ. For, for sure. So for JJ, it, it comes down to his contract as well. He's, he's in the last year of his contract. And with the way the offense is starting to work, the Pels might hold on to him a little bit longer than we might expect. But if there's anybody that's going to get traded before the deadline, to me, it's going to be JJ because of the expiring contract, because of the fact that he is the top 15 shooter of all time that he is. Now he's not having a great season, but that is what he is. That's what we know him to be. And that'll be why he gets traded. If if a team is really looking for help from the three point line. All right, let's talk a little bit about Lloyd Pierce. Obviously, the fans here, they they mostly follow the Atlanta Hawks, and it's been a bit of a down year, disappointing year for the Hawks. A lot of injuries under Lloyd Pierce, and this year it's their 14-20. and 20. Trey Young is, is, is really good stats-wise, but he is literally, via plus-minus defensive rating, the worst point guard defender in the National Basketball Association. So first and foremost, what were your thoughts when you heard that Lloyd Pierce had gotten the hook? You know, gee, when we were talking off off air, I shared with you that Lord Lloyd Pierce was my choice to win Coach of the Year this season. I really thought the Hawks were going to make the jump, and it's it's been the opposite. They've had, like you said, so many injuries, and you know, there's there's got to be a scapegoat somewhere. And, and Pierce has been around for a little while. You do have Nate McMillan on your bench, which he's been stepped, he's been uh, brought into that interim role, and he's a good coach. He's a good defensive-minded coach too, so I think that was the right move for them to make. Not bringing in an outside hire like the Timberwolves did, because that was just a garbage move. Even though Chris Finch is a good coach, but anyway, I think Pierce is a good coach. 
He knows basketball. He's been so involved in the community in Atlanta. He will be brought on by somebody else. He will be on another staff, whether he gets hired as a head coach again. But, you know, from what I've heard, Trey Young and him were, were bashing heads. There's been all this internal issues with, with John Collins wanting mm-hmm. a contract and saying he doesn't want to play with Trey. And, and it, where we're at in this league right now, players are getting chosen over coaches. That's just the way it is. The, the NBA is extremely player-centric. The players have the power. Trey Young is a scoring machine. While, yes, he is putrid defensively, <laughs> the GM needs to go out and get some help for him on, on that defensive end. And I think Nate McMillan will make a positive impact on that end as well. So, like I said, somebody had to be the scapegoat. This team had high expectations. They brought in guys like Danilo Gallinari, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Trey Young's obviously still there. John Collins still there. This team has a lot of talent, uh, but I think they've got a long way to go defensively. Bringing in Onyeka Okungwu now that he's healthy, that might help. But the roster's also still kind of constructed a little odd with, with Clint Capella, Onyeka Okungwu, John Collins. I, I think the GM has a lot of work to do there. I don't even know who the GM's name is, but he's got some, he's got some work to do there. Travis Schlenk. Yeah. Travis Schlenk is the, uh, is the guy. He just got an extension not too long ago. And again, Elliot Clough, again, our guest, the boot crew media. And this is something I wanted to throw it at you because I I was curious to get your thoughts about Trey young from the outside looking in and, and on John Collins. And just the thought that Schlenk was the one who made the move in 2018 during that draft to trade Luka Doncic to the uh, the Dallas Mavericks uh, for Trey Young and to acquire Trey Young. And in, instead, you could have looked at this team much differently if they had a guy like Luka instead of Trey. Yeah, you could. And, and Luka isn't, you know, the greatest defender in the world, but he is definitely a better defender than than Trey Young. And Luka has making made that step to where a lot of us see him as being a generational talent. And the Mavs haven't done the greatest job of surrounding him with with talent, with complementary talent down there. And Chris Stapps has definitely been a disappointment this season. But but Luka is is definitely the guy over Trey. They're both phenomenal players. They're both great scorers. But Luka is definitely the guy as opposed to Trey. I think Trey is starting to get that reputation of being a James Harden-esque type player where he doesn't care about defense and he's getting all these foul calls and, and people are saying it's you know disingenuous basketball or what have you. And maybe some fans in, in Atlanta are really starting to say, hey, maybe we should have held on to Luka, and, and I think deservedly so. Trey's a great basketball player, but if it's not equating to wins, I mean, it, it's kind of a fair statement. Elliot Clough hanging with us here on The Word with G talking NBA. And speaking of surprises, are the New York Knicks the biggest surprise in the NBA so far this year? My New York Knicks? I had to know this was coming. I had to know this was coming. They might be. I'm still, you know, the East is just, I think the top, where are they in the East? Are they fifth or fourth? Somewhere Fourth. I don't think, I I haven't seen the Knicks this high in in the standing since 2012. You know, man, I, I think this is more of an indication as to how bad the East is. I you mean, shut you your mouth. Their... <laughs> you shut you your mouth and their... let me enjoy this. <laughs> you look at their schedule, and there's some quality wins. I'll give it to them. I mean, Julius Randle's having an incredible season. All-star. He deserves, deserves that all-star position. And, and R.J. Barrett starting to come through. Austin Rivers having a pretty good year. Emmanuel quickly might have been the steal of the draft, other than maybe Sadiq Bay. So, 
I mean, I'll give it to them. What are they, 17 and 17 now? 18 and 17. 18, above 500. Yes. What am I doing? (laughs) It's nice to see more wins than losses. Right, right, right. I I would not be surprised if they get in the playoffs. I I could be very wrong with that article that I put out. And I called you and and some other New York fans out uh, on that one. But maybe I'm wrong. You know, I I don't want to be wrong, but but I'll, I'll say so when I am. And if we get to a point in the season where maybe they even win a couple games in a playoff series or even win a playoff series, I will definitely bow down and say, hey, I was wrong. Gee, you called me on it. You got it right. Well, no, I didn't even get it right because I don't. I didn't think they were going to make the playoffs. I still have some reservations about them making the playoffs this year. Although I do like the the direction that they're going and building. You may, mentioned quickly, uh, Mitchell Robinson's been out, but Nerlens Noel has been a an absolute stalwart defensively. You mentioned Julius Randle, uh, R.J. Barrett starting to come around, um, and some of the, the 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 pieces that they brought in over the last couple of years. And Alec Burks has been able to score a little bit. Randy Bullock is has been pretty good. So there's been some nice little pieces there. And I think the one thing, and I'm still not convinced that they're going to make the playoffs because I've seen this story happen before where they get to about halfway of the year and we're right around 500 and we're going to make the playoffs this year. And then they absolutely tank. But the one stat that stands out to me that I like about the New York Knickerbockers is that they're holding opponents to just 104 points per game. That is the best in the East, and it is the best in the entire league as it sits right now. So the defense, if you can play some defense, and we know Tibbs can coach up some defense, if you can play defense, then you may have a shot to at least be relevant. Defense travels, man. Tom Dibodeau knows how to teach defense. He's got a young, hungry team there in New York. And as long as they stay healthy, you know, Tim, excuse me, Tom Thibodeau has that reputation of just running his guys ragged in the season. So as long as these guys can stay healthy, as long as these young guys can continue to play defense and, and stay consistent and defense travels, man, defense travels and, and offense, you can only guarantee so much each night. Julius Randall's obviously bringing a lot on that end. But like I said, I mean, defense is, is a big piece for them. And if they can continue to play that level, that one Oh four, a game in the NBA right now is crazy. If they're protecting the, the rim, protecting the three-point line, defending the three-point line, they can continue to be legit. Again, I think it's about injuries, especially with Tom Thibodeau at that head coaching position. But, man, I, they're starting to make me a believer. I never would have thought that. They've been the, the laughing stock of the NBA, the doormat of the NBA the last however many years, like 10 years, and, and now they're starting to look like they can compete again. And, and I'm impressed. Again, it's the Eastern Conference. So take it with a grain of salt, and it's the first half of the season, but but they're impressing me so far. Elliot Clough, again, our guest from Boot Crew Media, hanging with us here. NBA expert also covers the Pelicans as well. Does a lot of great content, whether it be up on YouTube or on the podcasting platform. One more for you, Elliot. EC, before I let you go, I have to ask you about another team in the Eastern Conference. I know you are more of a Western Conference guy following the Pelicans, but... Do you believe in what the Brooklyn Nets are building out there in New York, the other New York team, the team that is currently sitting in the two spot in the Eastern Conference? KD has been down and out for a little while, but James Harden is doing some 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 really good things. He seems to be reinvigorated, rejuvenated. Um, and then Kyrie is out there as well. They're getting some decent play from some other bench guys who have had to step up in KD's absence. 
Are you a believer now that Anthony Davis is out? And I don't know if he's going to be down and out for the remainder of the season or what his status is going to be moving forward and into the postseason for the Lakers. But would you, at this very moment, put them as the favorite in the NBA to win the championship? Or is that too bold for you? That is the question in the Eastern Conference, right? It's between them and the Philadelphia 76ers for me. The, the Nets just don't have that rim protector that they need. Losing Jarrett Allen was huge. If they can go out and somehow get JaVale McGee from the, from the Cavs in a buyout situation or if they can get another center one way or another for this season, even just for this season, not next season, but figuring it out in the coming off season, they can be scary. But if they don't make that move, I'm still probably going to have to roll with the Philadelphia 76ers strictly on how dominant Joel Embiid has been this season. Also, Ben Simmons is playing like the defensive player of the year. That dude might be able to lock up James Arden, Kyrie, or Kevin Durant. Now, they don't have three Ben Simmons. Uh, <laughs> ben Simmons is. Is that the plural for Ben Simmons? I don't know. Ben Simmons is. Ben that Yeah, there we go. That'll work. <laughs> we'll roll with that for now. But that's going to be the thing for them. They do have Matisse Teibel, who is going to be a great defender for them as well. So, and, and they've got the three-point shooting now with Seth Curry, with Danny Green on their roster, and Danny Green's still a, a decent enough defender. So it's going to be between the Sixers and the Nets for me. If the, if the Nets make that move, if they get even just a JaVale McGee on their roster, that'll be huge for them because their offensive firepower is just insane. Kevin Durant, James Harden, two MVPs, former MVPs, Kyrie Irving, NBA champion, they're going to be tough to stop, especially with the way they're moving the ball. James Harden has skyrocketed skyrocketed into the MVP conversation now, too, because he's sharing the ball so efficiently while scoring 24 points a game. I mean, it, it's, it's going to be a toss-up for me right now. We'll see how the rest of the season goes. We'll see if there's any injuries on either team, but it's going to be between those two teams. I don't think there's any team in the Eastern Conference that's anywhere near the level they're at. I mean, the Heat are starting to come up. They're, they're recovering from coronavirus issues that they had. The Raptors are starting to get into a groove. But still, it's got to be the 76ers and the Nets for me. Elliot Clough has been our guest here on The Word with G. Follow, follow him up on Twitter at Elliot Clough. That's E-L-I-O-T. Clough is C-L-O-U-G-H. He's Pelicans Plus podcast host and NBA expert with Boot Crew media happy to have you Elliot this will uh will not be your last time happy to have you again along the ride here of our sports uh, media journey from Louisiana now up to Chattanooga Tennessee be well my friend enjoy the basketball that's to come and hopefully the Pelicans can continue to win and before I get you out of here tell people a little bit more about what you do on the podcast and when you drop your podcast and where they can find them and all that good stuff for sure you can find them Anywhere you listen to podcasts, we post them every time that they're posted on bootcrewmedia.com. You can check out some articles from myself and from some, from some of our other NBA, NFL, college football, college basketball writers there on bootcrewmedia.com as well. A little more Louisiana focused, but we do do the, the grand scheme of things as well in every single sporting arena. Podcasts are coming to you typically after games. I'll be dropping one later today when I'm off work because I'm currently sitting in my car at my job. And uh, that is, it's, it's usually two or three times a week from me, Pelicans Plus. We talk to Pelicans, but of course we talk the NBA as a whole. And hopefully later today I will be having an article dropping on Lloyd Pierce and what the Hawks will be doing going forward. So you can stay tuned 
all of that can be found on my Twitter, like you said, at Elliot Clough on Twitter. Awesome, man. Thanks uh, so much. Great job per usual. And uh, we will talk again soon, my friend.